When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the second round of the coffee run. Uh, this is Harrison Starr on the uh, count. Joined quickly here by Thad Nelson. Thad, how are you doing? Did the auto mute get you, Thad? Or are you ramping on? I'm back now. Just when it uh, when it joins, sometimes it cuts out for a little bit. So when it allowed me access uh, to speak, so yeah, I'm uh, in the middle of my coffee run right now, just uh, waiting for them to to make it for me. It was a, a bit of a long night. We've got two two little ones that aren't feeling the best, so it's uh, that back to school <laughs> sickness spreading around. I have a feeling. Um, so it was very little sleep. So an extra shot of espresso uh, got to get me going this morning. Oh, no. La- that was kind of me last week. Elliot- Elliot's got more juice now. He's playing with uh, maybe the loudest toy possible. So if that's what folks hear in the background, that's that's what it is. So, Thad, I, I was kind of going back and thinking about my conversation with Ben earlier this week. And we really didn't talk about much of the nuts and bolts of this Iowa State team. And I think maybe the – I was uh, sharing some emails with a friend, and he said – the, the drop-off from uh, Bobby Petrino to Brian Ferentz, could it be any steeper for, for these Iowa State defensive coaches to prepare for? Oh, man, that's a – thank you. Uh, that's a great question. They – is the hard part about trying to defend Iowa just being like, well, it doesn't really matter if we stop that, so are we going to care about it? Like, what are you actually going to care about trying to stop? Because – most of it right now probably doesn't matter. And if you throw in the fact that uh, I haven't looked at the forecast exactly for Iowa city, but if it's anything like here, it's going to be a a wet day. Um, I just, what do you do to even prepare? What, what matters when you start looking at it for as a defensive coach, getting ready to play Iowa. For me, especially with Iowa State, it's probably how do you occupy as many offensive linemen with as few defensive linemen as possible. And when I think about that, it's how can how will they be able to isolate Will McDonald? Because he's, as we saw last year, that was kind of the the one of many Achilles heels for Iowa. But being able to generate a pass rush with the George Karloftis or a, you know, Aiden Hutchison just blew up whatever Iowa wanted to do. And I, Will McDonald has that kind of pedigree. Um, I, he's a little slighter than both of those two that I mentioned, but that doesn't make him any uh, less capable as a pass rusher. Yeah, and, and you watch week one, and you don't get a good feeling about what, what Iowa has at tackle right now in terms of, of handling somebody like that. My guess, you know, from an Iowa standpoint is you probably think, well, we'll just try to run at him a bunch. But I have a feeling, like you said, Iowa State's going to try to do some things to isolate him, whether that's 
um, bringing pressure nearby. So kind of bringing a blitzer, bringing somebody that's, that's there. So he can't be chipped maybe by a, by a tight end or by a, a running back, or you can, you know, bring pressure on the other side and force the tackle to go one-on-one. It's a little bit of out of Iowa state's character, you know, really they'd prefer to be able to drop seven or eight. Um, and Iowa, you know, would pr- probably prefer them to do that in terms of, uh, giving the line a little bit of extra time, but also to help with the run game. So I'm with you. I think they're trying to figure out what are the ways that they can get him opportunities to get as many one-on-one scenarios as possible. Because to this point, there's no evidence that Iowa is going to block him effectively in those situations. And the other thing you mentioned it is, what do they do on the back end that Bill Connolly had his box score for, for Iowa and like trying to go through it. It was like, is there any positive to take in it when you talk about the passing game? And it's like, somehow I think South Dakota state only ran man coverage, maybe four times Iowa completed one pass and you think that's ugly. And then you see, Oh, it's, it's really no prettier when I, when South Dakota state just, dropped a ton of people into this zone. And I think that that's really got to be what Iowa State's hoping to do is, hey, if we can just make Petrus take time or whoever Iowa has as quarterback, there's maybe, you know, the way the week played out, it seemed like maybe Petrus has a short release than than we all kind of think, which would make more sense. But I, I think – the longer that you can force Iowa's quarterback to think back there, the better shape you're going to be from pretty much every perspective. Oh, definitely. And there's, you know, you start dropping guys and we've, we've watched Petrus get hesitant. You know, he sees guys in the zones. I mean, he's forced a few as well, but it, I think it causes him to think more than what, okay, you see pressure. I've got a hot route uh, with his accuracy issues. I, I think you'd, if you're an Iowa state defender or game planning, yeah, make him throw into those windows, make him see a bunch of defenders. And honestly, you can probably get pressure with just three or four guys. Most of the time, Uh, you know, South Dakota state was getting pressure and was blowing up the run game, which is to me, the bigger issue was the run game with, with just four man fronts and, you know, not doing anything too crazy. You know, they, they did bring some boundary pressure, quite a bit that's something they like to do with their corners and Iowa you know wasn't able to take advantage of that the one time they saw it uh kind of a a blitz from the secondary they threw a hot route but it got deflected the line of scrimmage but Iowa State I think can just do exactly what they want to do which is just sit back rush three or four um and then just flood the zone with players And, and that includes against Iowa's run game uh keeping those guys off the line of scrimmage so that let those three or four guys eat up the five to six blockers and everybody else just flow to the ball. Yeah, you, you transition nicely with that. I think the, the thing about Iowa's run game is that maybe the first question is, does Gavin Williams make a difference? And, and I know maybe in the straight ahead run game, probably not. But I'm wondering if Today is going to be super interesting in my perspective to see how Kirk Ferentz kind of plays it out. Does he, he 
not a win at all cost type of game, but is it the type of game that forces Iowa to think creatively? And I think maybe Gavin Williams as a wildcat back, he does have the throw from the, the big 10 championship game. So that's an arrow in his quiver that maybe it, it would be something creative we see from Iowa or am I, or, or am I being uh, too optimistic with that fad? Oh, I, I definitely think that's, that's an option in the playbook. Uh, I believe it was that same game or maybe it was the, the bowl game where we saw him line up at wildcat one time. It might've been the bowl game and then there was a false start. So, so it ended up not being an option for them to go that route. But I definitely think that's in the, the run game. The thing I think that Gavin Williams is going to help bring in this game is um, when you have, I thought rewatching over the summer, rewatching the bowl game, just having the combination of the two Williams and they're both being really physical, uh, keeping them fresh is so important. I thought that's something in the bowl game when LaShawn came in, uh, he just brought so much pop to his pads because he had fresh legs. Um, and those two were rotating and staying very fresh where as in the South Dakota state game, you know, he's 20 plus carries. It's just a little, it's a hot day. It's just a little bit harder to stay um, as physical and to get some of those broken tackles because, you know, he's wearing down as well. You know, you want to wear down the defense, but, but he's taking a lot of punishment as well. So I think, having both of them in in there and being able to rotate those carries does help Iowa in terms of keeping those guys fresh and, and letting their physicality work their way, work its way out. And if it's a slippery field or, or wet jerseys, um, making those arm tackles a little bit more difficult could at least, I was joking, could, could it lead to an explosive run of like eight to 12 yards? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, the, the concern is what what does an explosive run end up meaning? But I do think Gavin Williams' presence is is huge. If if he is able to go to gay, it seemed like throughout the week that's how he was trending. Um, and I do think what he brings in the run game is that like speed to the outside. Um, I think Lashawn. I think he's kind of more of an interior back, the guy you want to use more on inside zone. But Gavin Williams being that really got that guy who's very quick to, to the edge on, on the run game. And, you know, that, that would be something that Iowa needs to use effectively. As you said, you know, kind of at the top of this, do you try and run it? Will McDonald wear him down? And, and if Gavin Williams is able to go, that's definitely, you know, what I expect we'll see Iowa do. I think that's a great point, being able to, to allow him to get outside a little bit more. And if there is a crease, uh, being able to exploit that a little bit better, you know, he's not going to necessarily be a total game breaker, but I do believe he has a little bit more speed and can help break those outside zone plays. I also think, and Iowa used LaShawn last week a little bit in the the past game, just kind of as a release valve swing out guy. But I think Gavin Williams brings you that and maybe even a little bit more. I've always felt like when you watch him, he catches the ball very naturally out of the backfield. And maybe that's a spot where Iowa can utilize him as well as is in the screen game. You mentioned, what do you do at, at Will McDonald? Well, I think you try to run at him and I'd be trying to get uh, one or two early in the game running back screen plays. I know Petrus has kind of struggled with that throw over his tenure, 
but it's something I would put in there just to try to keep him from getting upfield quite as quickly as he wants to in the traditional uh, pass rush. Yeah, I think that the screen game just so important that uh, I think that was that that's where it comes down to like execution, right? You, you had shared in, in the Slack, you know, the screenshots of that first one that they had where it was the, you know, the fake one direction. And then it, you know, had LaShawn there with nothing but green in front of him. And those are just, those are the types of plays that when Iowa draws up, it, it is just so important that they hit on them because they are, they seem so far in between um, in the sense that, when those, I mean, they're kind of trick plays, right, Dad? Like, I mean, I hate, hate to be overly, like, simplistic with it, but at least in, in the sense of Iowa football, that's the type of stuff that when you roll out, you got to hit at a close to 100%. 100%. I mean, and Iowa even used misdirection with it. You mentioned Petrus with the fake, but they also sent uh, Dunker, who was playing right guard, they actually sent him sprinting downfield. It would have been an obvious uh man downfield he he was like eight yards downfield on the opposite side of the field but they sent him sprinting out out to the opposite direction to draw the linebackers across I mean it was a wonderful play design and it's one as a coach uh you know the guys that are who were up in the box have to be thinking as it's just starting to unfold like we just called the perfect play it's a touchdown um and of course then it just falls incomplete and we've seen issues in the screen game in the past uh, from Petrus. So as you said, you just have to hit on those. Those are so important um, that this offense can't afford to waste those opportunities because yeah, they what, and, and it's also kind of a frustration I have with, with Brian is I think he has some creative play calls. I just don't think he goes to them enough. I think he saves them sometimes too long until they're perfect. And the team doesn't always need the perfect call. They just need an advantageous call more often um, instead of saving until the perfect time. More advantageous calls more often. I think that that's a a great way to put it, Thad. Transitioning to Iowa State's offense against Iowa's defense. And as you kind of said, like, I, I think the quarterback rhetoric is just like overshadowing just how great Iowa's defense was. And I think if you're Iowa State, you have to feel really good about Hunter Deckers and Xavier Hutchinson. And to me, it's a, just a huge strength-on-strength strength matchup. And that's that's why I, as I will be for, you know, 10 more weeks after today, uh, excited as much as anything is just seeing this Iowa defense go up against what looks like a, a very formidable kind of passing offense. This defense – as you mentioned, I had mentioned it. It did totally get overshadowed by all the quarterback talk, but it was everything and more that that I was expecting to see, and I think most people were expecting to see. Uh, they just dominated in every sense. Uh, new guys came in, so so you're like, oh well, we'll see what what Roberts does at corner filling in. Uh, we'll see what Schulte does. Uh, we'll see what Cooper DeGene does as he as his role expanded too, and you left that game and all three of those guys, you were just like, they were amazing. If you're going to list who the top four most impressive players were for Iowa defensively, I think those three along with Jack Campbell are the four that most people would have listed as far as really standing out during that game. 
Um, as you mentioned, total strength on strength, this Iowa defense uh, is something special in that they, they can do it from everywhere and that they're able to rotate uh, so many guys on the defensive line is so important. Now, uh, we did hear that, that YA Black is going to miss some time with a, with a broken foot. So that does affect them in a little bit, a little bit up front. Um, but I think what that probably means is we just see less of Lucas Van Ness at defensive end which is a bummer for me, but, but it is a spot Iowa is very deep. Uh, but we'll just probably see him slide inside a lot more. Um, but when you talk about, you know, Deckers was so impressive in that game, and, and I've just been really impressed with him when I watched, uh, like, his high school film when he was being recruited and, and Iowa State landed him. He's slimmed down a bunch, but they didn't really have him running much. So I don't know if that was just not to give anything away. But I have to imagine uh, he'd be used a little bit in the run game as well. But that connection he has with Hutchinson, those two, um, I mean, they're going to target him a ton and he's going to get his catches and get his yards. You just have to make sure that he doesn't break any really big ones and that on third down, you know, you just try to bracket him as much as possible. But, uh, you know, they're going to get some good plays. Deckers is a really big guy. So even if it is a rainy day, I think he's not really going to have any issues spinning the ball. Yeah, I mean, I think that Hutchinson's just so fascinating to me because I, I still go back to, like, Kirk Barron's in one press conference. He was like, if I wanted to run an offense to guarantee a high completion percentage, I would. And that's kind of what Iowa State does. Like, they're going to get – Hutchinson got the ball eight times, three touchdowns in the first half last week, and they're going to get it to him in a variety of areas. And, and as you said, Iowa has dudes all over, so – I don't think they're going to necessarily struggle tackling him, but with him being so big, that emphasis on getting there and gang tackling and swarm tackling is going to be even, you know, higher than usual. Absolutely. And, and I mentioned earlier, if it's a a wet day, you get defenders slipping, uh, you get a wet Jersey. You just have to really make sure that you wrap up and get through him. Um, I do feel pretty good this you know, the secondary for Iowa traditionally is really good in that. You know, it's not a group that, that just wants to, to cover and get an interception. They're, they're willing, um, able and willing tacklers, really all of them uh, with this group. You know, Moss gets a lot of credit for what he does on, in coverage, but, but I think one of his best skills is his ability to tackle, especially near the line of scrimmage on those quick passes. He's super effective in those areas um, and being able to get to the guy and get him down to me, the, the area that I'm interested to see with that also is, is Iowa State able to generate any concepts for any of the other guys? Obviously, Iowa's going to key on him. Um, so what can they do to get some of those other guys open? Can they attack Iowa's linebackers in some crossing routes? And will Deckers have enough time to be able to get through all those reads? Uh, Iowa State's offensive line, you know, they move some pieces around. They're best offensive lineman is at center uh, and I think Downing's a good player but we saw last year with Iowa you can have a great center and not a great offensive line so Iowa I think still could be able to generate some pressure for him um, and then also make it tough on their running backs I like their running backs um, the guy I really like is actually their their second guy Eli Sanders it's someone Iowa tried really hard to get late in the recruiting game um, he visited Iowa and Iowa State like back-to-back days and then choosing Iowa State. 
so I'm interested to see. He's kind of a game breaker that has some some really good speed, but it's also powerful enough to get through the tackles. So uh, Iowa needs to be able to limit Iowa State's run game. Um, and then I think the pass game will take care of itself. If you're forcing Deckers and that pass game to make uh, make contested completions of more than 12 yards downfield, uh, I think they're going to struggle. But if you allow them to run the ball and be in second and six, uh, second and four, all of a sudden then they're sitting pretty. They can kind of do whatever they want, and it just opens up all those um, easy completions and those those plays where they can get their playmakers, just get them the ball and hope they do something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that the it, it will be really interesting to see how maybe they use the pass game to open up the run game. Um and just if they can stay ahead of the change, we all know how important it is for Iowa, but I would argue, at least in this game, it's it's even more important for Iowa State. They're rolling out, you know, two freshman kickers uh, and their punter and whatnot. So, you know, it's going to be important for them to get first downs, even if it's not the – in a way that sometimes it isn't important for Iowa to get first downs. You know, they just punt it away and they still come out with – that hidden yardage advantage that um, Tory Taylor can provide. So um, to me, will both offenses be able to, to take what they can get? I think is probably whoever wins that is probably going to, going to win it unless we see some really boneheaded turnovers like have existed in the last, I don't know, five years of this game, somehow none from Iowa. Isn't this just leading to, like, just a painful experience for both fan bases to watch this? Like, you have Iowa that just nobody has any confidence in this offense um, being able to do anything. And you have Iowa State who is just – even if they have a lead, they're just going to be waiting for that big mistake, whether it be special teams or or a turnover. This is just going to be – I just feel like it's going to be a really painful experience watching this game for both fan bases – unless something obviously really unexpected happens where one of the offenses all of a sudden generates a bunch of early first quarter points. But I just don't see that happening. I see both teams just really struggling to do much on offense, um, especially in that first quarter as they're, they're both trying to just get a feel for, for what the other team is planning against them. Absolutely. And as we, as we wind down that, I think the, the thing that, like last this time last week, I was thinking, what do I just want to see? And I wanted to see some identity from Iowa's offense. And now I just, I don't even know. I think the thing I want to see is just what's the weirdest thing that can be dialed up. As uh, Nick put in his prediction, Kirk Ferentz is basically David Blaine just hiding and doing these weird stuff. We feel like he's always going to escape, but what happens if he doesn't escape from the submarine, you know, 2,000 feet below the uh, water surface? Um, to, to me, I just expect such a weird game. I don't really expect much offense, as you said. And, and I, that makes it weird for me. Like, oh, what do I even want to see? I just kind of want to see the weirdness that can be developed from this game. The big thing to me when I look at it is, like, if this defense can just limit any big plays uh they got lucky last week on a misfire on a on a deep route where Merriweather got a little mixed up um but they survived it it was an errant pass and 
And I, I say all the time, like that happens in college football. Guys miss those passes all of the time. Um, I want to see, you know, some first downs, obviously a touchdown by the offense would be fantastic, but, but, but the defense probably is just as likely to score. I, I do think, I do think the offense is obviously going to really struggle, but I also think they're going to find a way to, to piece something together and get one or two drives um, that are effective. And then, then we'll see if the red zone offense has improved at all from the issues it's had. I mean, they've got in there once this year and they fumbled. So over one so far to start the year, but can this offense move the ball enough, get a couple first downs when they need it to continue to own the field position game because the defense isn't, likely to give up more than a couple consecutive first downs so limit the big plays uh, offense get enough movement enough first downs to be able to hold the field position game and then do what Iowa really has done so well for so long is take advantage of a turnover or two um, last week I mean minus two on the turnovers um, and Iowa survived you know no offensive touchdowns minus two on the turnovers and somehow one uh, that's a recipe that I don't know if can be duplicated but I don't think you have to be far off I think if that turnover margin is even um, Iowa can survive in a similar game to what happened last week yeah I mean that that's exactly it it depends on how how willing is Matt Campbell to play Kirk Ferentz's game and can he be patient enough to to execute that because I think if he just waits Iowa out he's they probably got a chance in the end maybe they can even pull away a little bit if Iowa's offense is just that bad? Or does he press? Does he try and prove something with, you know, Hunter Deckers maybe feeling slighted by not getting an Iowa offer, Jarrell Block, Brock, that drama there. Does he push 10% too much? Because if he, if he pushes, I think Iowa probably wins. Um, and that's kind of what I'm expecting. It's what I've seen from Matt Campbell in this game. And I don't, I'm not expecting anything pretty from anyone. But I, I do think that, as weird as it seems, Iowa maybe maybe pulls another one out. I know you're a little less optimistic in that range, though. Yeah, I just I have no faith in, in the offense being able to, to do enough. Uh, I think the defense is going to do a great job. But, but I'm really sold on Decker's. Um, I, I think what they had in Purdy in the past played into what Iowa wants so much, like his lack of arm strength, his careless decisions at times, uh, just ate away at so many of the positives in Iowa State's offense over the last couple of years. And now you've got a quarterback who uh, can run a little bit better. Not that Purdy wasn't able to scramble occasionally, but, but I think Deckers is a better runner. He's got a much stronger arm to push the ball downfield. And to this point, we haven't seen him throw the ball like straight up in the air from 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage or even backwards like Purdy has been had been known to do as well. So I think, you know, addition by subtraction a little bit there in terms of I think they have a better, uh, more talented player coming in. But I also think that what he does physically uh, gives Iowa more problems than what Brock Purdy did physically. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's a great point, um, you know, looking at how that game played out last year and, and Purdy just really, really pressed in the second half, really the whole game, right? I mean, in terms of uh, Iowa getting, I think it ended up being 20 points off of turnovers. Um, 
you know, and, and that would have won them the game right there, 20 to 17. Um, but if Iowa State's able to avoid that, if Decker's ability to maybe make some of those throws turns it back in, in their favor, then, you know, it, it could be the first time in quite a while that Iowa has lost to Iowa State. And what a shame that would be. I just – I'm with you. What a shame that would be. The the being able to hold, and, and you've mentioned, um, until I see Campbell, Fleck, Frost, until I see those guys uh, beat Kirk Ferentz, it's hard to imagine them doing it. Uh, part of it is – you said Campbell's just – it seems really pressed in this game um, over the last few years. Now, you know, he did hit a, a, a trick play or two um, and some big – big plays uh, over the time as well. But, man, until I see it, I have so little faith in this Iowa offense. But the part that holds me um, thinking that Iowa has a chance is just the fact of how Iowa State has found ways to gift Iowa wins over the last couple years gives me hope that it could happen again. And and maybe there's some some kinetic magic in the rain today. Yeah, looking at the forecast, it looks like it's going to happen in the fourth quarter. Perfect time for a really weird blunder. It's sad. Um, so I'll go ahead and leave that there. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Thank you, Thad. Uh, any closing thoughts? Just embrace the weirdness that is going to be, I think, this Iowa football season. Um, and hope hope the defense, I think, you know, enjoy the defense, enjoy the punting. Um, and if there's a, a first down or, a, you know, Heaven forbid a touchdown in there, celebrate because who knows when it'll happen again. I know. I know. That's that's definitely where I am. So uh, thanks, Dad, for joining. This will be on the podcast feeds uh, for those who missed it and maybe YouTube. We'll see. Um, but uh, for Thad Nelson and Harrison Starr, the coffee run uh, for Iowa State is now over. Thanks, everyone.